Hey, welcome to Just Punk Enough. I'm your host, Andy Harrison. I talked to Clinton from Elephant Rifle and many, many other bands. This dude is awesome. He's done so much for the music scene. He is obsessed with music, even as a record label. And uh, I really enjoy talking to this guy. I love his passion about music and art and uh, the way he thinks about stuff. And uh, yeah, I really like you, Clinton. So I had a good talk with him. Uh, Elephant Rifle is coming out with a new album, April 28th. I got a, uh, a copy already. Oh yeah, dude. Stoked. Elephant Rifle, if you don't know them, you need to. They are such an awesome band. Great performers. Great songwriters. But anyway, let's listen to this interview. It was very pleasant for me. Jump into it. All Clint, right. what's going on? Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been it's quite been a, a while. while. You were yeah. on the uh, radio show, and we. I should have just talked to you then and not even played music but you did bring a lot of music it was fun it was pretty cool yeah we had a good time i like doing that i haven't done it in quite a while but so what's been going on since then it just what's has anything happened you know in the world at large or with you or uh no in the the last three years not just been chill just chill just been working got the band going we're trying to push and push and push you know you know how that goes yeah so yeah yeah they uh there's a little facetiousness to that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure, like, for me, the last three years have been pretty hard for you as well. Yeah, it's yeah. been, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been crazy, dude. It's been, I think everybody kind of has that, you know, what the hell happened and now we're, we're all, all barbecued, man. Yeah, we're all kind of like finally jumping back into it. And I think uh, personally, I'm like trying to jump too much into mm. things like oh all right let's i i don't have much time left let's do this yeah you know, i don't so. think you're alone in that yeah like just the amount of stuff that seems like it's going on everywhere like, right so many bands are on tour everyone's yeah. like playing shows everyone's like putting out records I mean, just from a musical standpoint but i feel like from creative for creative endeavors in general just across the board it feels like everyone everyone feels like they're on borrowed time now yeah. so do you think that's a good thing or bad thing? I don't know. Because part of it's like, it's like everybody has a recording studio, so there's going to be way more music, but is there going to be quality music? I admire so that like, everyone has a passion yeah, for it. Right. Um, yeah, there is something to be said about the sort of buffet of choices, though, that's like, yeah, it's overwhelming. It is, and I remember when people were like, oh, it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties or whatever, and I'm like, okay, played a few shows, and I'm like, no, nah, dude, it's not. Like, nobody also, cares still. Also, historically, aren't the Roaring Twenties looked at as, like, a pretty terrible time? <laughs> I honestly don't know for sure. I'm not that smart. <laughs> Didn't that end up in the Great uh, Depression? <laughs> or was it the, yeah, I don't even know. Whatever, whatever. So... Let's jump into you, man. Where did you grow up? Uh, Carson City. Much Were you like born yourself. in Carson City? Uh, I was born in Sacramento, but oh, okay. m- my parents split up before I was two. Okay. Uh, my mom grew up, like, 
She grew up in Carson City. She wasn't born there either, but she moved there as a kid. Okay. Like went to middle school and or junior high and high school there. Um, then moved away when her and my dad got married. Then when they split up, she moved back. Okay. So, I mean, like I don't remember a life before I lived in Carson City. Yeah. So yeah. But did you come? Uh, were you in a musical family? No. Or just no. kind of something you stumbled. No, upon no one in yourself. my family before me played music uh, t- that I'm aware of played yeah. music. So None how of my immediate relatives or how did you get into it? Um, like I, music I, itself, not playing. So for some reason, I was just always into mu- like I can remember the first music tr- that I truly loved was Michael Jackson. Okay, Thriller. Uh, Th- this was this would have been right around the time Bad came out, so yeah, yeah. like eighty oh, eight ish. I remember having like this little boombox with a tape deck in it, just like single mono speaker boombox, and I had Michael Jackson's Bad and Weird Al's In Three D on cassette. Yeah. Those were like my two favorite things. Right. Um, I remember getting into like REM when Green came out. Okay. Like I was in second grade or so. Um, cause I really like the song stand, yep. which is like, if any kid is going to be into an REM song right. at that time, I was that the was, same way. Yeah. Um, so and was it, it was mostly radio stuff. It was, it was all radio yeah. and like we, for whatever reason, we always had cable, mm-hmm. like we were really poor yeah. growing up, but for some reason my mom always had cable TV. Right. So I watched a lot of MTV too. Yeah. Like at an early age, I started watching MTV. Um, and probably by like fifth grade i discovered cares eq and was listening to the radio all the time also so yeah okay. it was 100 percent. everything came from either mtv or the radio yeah so when did you start digging deeper than top 40 was there a um was there a moment when you were like okay there's i mean there was a lot there. of stuff so i remember like in third grade third and fourth grade getting really into Metallica and that was the first band that I became like obsessive about that's crazy third where I had grade. to go yeah, yeah. so I, I I it's my son's in fourth grade now yeah or no he's in third grade now no he's in fourth grade now sorry my son's in fourth grade now and I've I've liked to tell him the story about like my fourth grade teacher was my least favorite teacher of any teacher I ever had and she was a she was a very conservative Christian woman and I brought all my Metallica cassettes and like a bunch of pages that I had torn out of uh, like Rip magazine, like yeah. you know photo shoots of Metallica and stuff. Yeah. And it was one of those desks that has like the built-in uh, little like bookshelf on the side, yeah, or like the book cubby. And I taped like those pictures up in there, and then like I set up all my cassettes and everything. Okay. And she was not having it, and she like confiscated all of that stuff. Wow, dude. And I never got it back. And I was so rip shit mad at her. For that, that is awesome. What school was it? Uh, Fritch. Fritch. Yeah. Damn. See, my son's in fourth grade, and he's nowhere near that kind of music. My son, near. He, my son's not into heavy stuff at all, but he's really into music. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. So you got into, you were like, geez, third grade. I can't even remember when I was getting into, I think my point was like Nirvana, you know, I and mean, before that was like Molly Crew and stuff yeah. like that. But when it first would like clicked was like, I think it was uh, third, Nirvana for me. Nirvana, you know? Nevermind came out when I was in third grade and yeah. I, I was Nirvana was the band that made me want to play music, okay. but I didn't get into Nirvana until like sixth grade. So okay. like, like right before Kurt Cobain died. Yeah. So when how how did you decide to start 
playing instruments. So I was I I wanted to play drums. Mm-hmm. Um because I loved the way Dave Grohl played drums. Cool. I didn't even know who Dave Grohl was at that time. I was just like, the drumming in this Nirvana song yeah. is awesome. I wanted, cool. But we lived in an apartment. I remember asking my mom if I could get a drum set, and she was like, no way. Yeah. And I, she must have talked to my grandma about it. Because um, this summer between sixth and seventh grade, my grandma offered to pay for guitar lessons for me. So she bought me like a nylon string guitar. Okay. Like classical style. Yeah. Um, I wasn't that into it because yeah. because it, it because like the I wanted to play Nirvana songs, and even the coolest guitar teacher is still like, well, I got to teach you some chords before. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't just jump into playing Nirvana songs, kid. Right. You've never played a guitar before, <laughs> and I wasn't into it. I didn't want to yeah. play like Hot Cross Buns or whatever it <laughs> totally. was, you know. <laughs> right. So like I I took lessons for that summer, and then kind of put it down. But uh, you know I always had the guitar hanging out. And would just mess around with it, like when I was hanging out with my friends. And didn't really start taking it seriously until about eighth grade. Um, And that's when I really wanted to, like, the idea of putting together a band was really intriguing to me. Yeah. What were you into in eighth grade? Do you remember? By that point, I was starting to really get, so, like, Green Day had already happened. Mm -hmm. So I was really into Green Day. Um, Offspring had happened. I was, by eighth grade, I was starting to get into, like, no effects. Okay. Um. What else would I have been, list, been listening to then? Uh, I I want to say it was the summer between eighth and ninth grade that uh, I got either. So uh, I got the Survival of the Fattest comp and Bill Nutt got Punkarama Volume 2 or it was the other way around. Right. But one of us had one and one of us had the oh, other. Cool. Yeah. And we listened to the shit out of those. Yeah. Like that was, <laughs> I remember just like listening to just putting like songs on repeat yeah. and listening to it over and over and over. But that was the, like, that's not really something that I think exists anymore, but that yeah. was such a huge thing. in at that time yeah. in like the mid nineties, like it should exist for, for my group of friends, that was how we discovered everything. Mm-hmm. It was like, you would buy a comp for $4 yeah. and you would love every band on it. Like, okay, well now I've got to get records by all yeah. of these bands. Is Bill from Carson? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've known Bill since first grade. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, uh, what middle school were you at? Carson Middle School. Okay. Um, so you started playing guitar and then did, did it ever click or did you switch to something else? Or no, I mean, like... I just kept like, I just kept at it. Yeah. Like I've, I, I never really in high school, never really progressed beyond like learning power chords and yeah. stuff, but that was kind of enough. I'm like, yeah. well, I could play Green Day songs with that. Yeah. I can play Nirvana songs with that. That's kind of all I need to know. Yeah. Did you start bands then? Yeah. Yeah. So I started my first band um, in between eighth and ninth grade. What was that called? Um, it was it was originally called the Fat Vat Band, which <laughs> I, I, I misheard a joke that Chris Rock made at the MTV Video Music Awards. Like he was he was trying to be funny announcing a winner and he said the fat back band, but I had no idea what the fat back band was. So I was like, a fat back band, is that like where you fry tacos at Jack in the Box or, or something? Oh, man, that's awesome. So I was like, oh, that's a great name for a band. Yeah. Um, and we tried to play in ninth grade, we were really into having shows in Bill's backyard. Okay. In Carson. Um, in Carson, yeah. yeah. So we, like we built a stage and. Just kids would show Where up. Where was that house? It was on the corner of 
Robinson and Division. What's what landmarks are by there? So it's like a block west of the Nugget, like towards the okay. governor's mansion yeah, from yeah. the Nugget. Okay. Um, but the first show that we tried to throw there was a unmitigated disaster, and that was the only show that that band played <laughs> oh, okay. or, or attempted to play. Were his parents cool with this? Yeah, uh, yeah. His mom was totally supportive. Like build of a it. stage. Yeah, let's have shows. Yeah, Bill's mom was like, she's kind of the unsung hero of Carson City punk rock in the late '90s, because yeah, she let all that shit happen at her house. Damn, I was in Reno. I had no idea. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was cool. There. Like, that was how I met. Indecisive Youth. That was how I met Sucker Punch. Like all those bands played in Bill's backyard. So, what was your first show? Do you remember? Um, so that band, one of the people left, and another person joined, and that became a band called Seafood Buffet, okay. and that was the the band that I played my first like real show in. And you were playing guitar. I was playing guitar and singing in that band. Okay. Yeah. And where was that backyard show? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So then that band. Pretty much, like, kind of off and on existed through high school until my senior year. Who else was in that band? Anybody that's Um, still around? No. No. No, nobody nobody that even really kept playing music after that. Was Beer Can doing anything? No, but uh, Bill and Riff and Ryan started a band called Face It right around that same time. Those guys aren't from Carson, are they? Yeah, all those guys are from Carson. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, we all I graduated, grew up together. I graduated in 96. Yeah. Well, so well, I, well, not I mean, that too far 96 removed. was my freshman year, 96, huh. 97. So wow. you were like, you were leaving just as we were coming in. Weird, man. That's yeah. crazy. That's awesome. I had no idea they were from. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, so how did the show go? Were you like. Did, it went great. Were it you just great. like, were, I got to like, keep doing this? There were so many people there. And it was, yeah, I think had it, had it not gone as good as it as it did, yeah. maybe I wouldn't still be on this path. Maybe yeah, that yeah. was like the right thing to happen at the right time. It's like, oh no, man, yeah. now now this is what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. Were you going to shows before? I'd gone to a few, there? but not like a ton. Do you no, because I didn't have wheels or anything. So, yeah. and Nothing there was no internet. Up. So like, if you didn't hear about it, like there wasn't any way to hear about underground shows yeah. unless you knew somebody and right. I didn't really know anybody and yeah. I didn't have a car so I couldn't get to Reno. Yeah. So I remember going to like a show at the library. Carson? That, yeah. Um, I remember Scabies played that show and I'm, I want to say, that. I want to say Jensen like, is in that band. He at some point was, yeah. I don't remember if he was then. Yeah. Um, and I want to say ever squelch played that show too. God, how do I know that band? It was another Reno band. Yeah, I know that. I know that name for sure. They're all people the that library, I met afterwards crazy. that I didn't know at yeah. the time. Um, do you remember your first proper concert? Yeah, I do. It was uh, the Kerzy Cue Ball. Yeah, which seventh one? grade. Um, the one. Second one. The one with Bush and yeah, Elastica. I was at that one. Yeah, yeah. I, who are you talking to about that? I, you talked about that on one of the podcasts. I don't know. And I was Catherine listening to Wheel. It. Yeah. Oh, just recently. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I was right You're up talking front. to Dan or something about it. I don't know. Anyway, I, think, I just remember thinking to myself, like, I was at that show too. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, Catherine Wheel. And I remembered like being right up front. I ditched, I was dating a senior cheerleader and I ditched her like graduation party to go to this. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, what are you going to do? Was she bummed? I don't really know. I was an idiot, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember Catherine Wheel being right up front and just people crowd surfing. And I was like, getting kicked in the head and I was like I don't know if I like this dude I had to like kind of move back but yeah that was awesome dude. I didn't know Atomic Dustbin I, I knew 
I knew Bush, obviously, and yeah. I knew the one Elastica song. Yeah. And I knew the one Wax song. Yeah. The, the Wax rest of those bands there. I'd never heard of yeah. before. Yeah, I was totally into it. My I went with my brother. I went, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that, that was, was a good, good show. One. That was your first concert? That was my first concert. That is awesome. My yeah. first concert was Pearl Jam, Mud Honey, and Urge Overkill at Lawler. Same place, but like a couple years before that. My wife's first concert was, I think, Pearl Jam too. Oh, cool. I think she saw them with the Rolling Stones. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so after you saw that concert, were you like, oh, crap, dude, this is awesome? Or yeah, the, did it inspire you? Yeah. That that one I remember, th- that Carzy Cue Ball, I remember more than anything, just being really into, like, being in general admission. That's it. Like, yeah. being on the floor and yeah. seeing people, like, crowd surfing and stuff Yeah, was, like, so foreign and, and right. intriguing to me. Yeah. It was, like... It was like watching a music video or something. Like, yeah. well, people really do this. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Do you remember your first punk rock show? Yeah, it was that show at the library. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ever Squelch. Uh-huh. And, um, that's cool. What and about? I, I, I think that was f- at the beginning of my freshman year. Okay. What about up in Reno? Do you remember going to any shows up there? I remember going to a bunch of shows. Um, not until, like, it wasn't really until anyone had wheels that okay. we started going to shows. Was but it then, in high school at all? Yeah, yeah. It was so probably like by sophomore year, a bunch of my friends had cars, so we were going to shows. Yeah, pretty regularly. Where were those shows at? Mostly at uh, Del Mar. Yeah, God, Del Mar was awesome. Yeah. Do you remember what shows? Yeah, I mean, I rem- I remember, but I remember like. I probably saw Voodoo Glow Schools there like ten times. Like it seemed like they were playing here every other month. Yeah. Um, I saw no effects there. Uh, I saw Fugazi <coughs> there. The Fugazi no show there was one. like, it was amazing. I know Jevin but, was there too. Yeah, every member. This is something we've talked about in Elephant Rifle. Every member of Elephant Rifle was at that show. Yeah. Like everyone who's been in the band, yeah, was at that show. I missed that show. Like I didn't know any of those guys then. Did you see Face to Face there? No, no, I didn't see them there. I saw them at. Where did I see them? Did they play at the Pioneer one time in the like in the basement of the Pioneer? No, that was Vandals and Pennywise, I think. Mm. But I definitely remember see... seeing face to face. Yeah. Do did you see Mr. T experience there? That I, that sounds like a band yeah. that I saw there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was at that show. So, anyway. Did they play with Chicks Dig It? God, I think so. I think, I think I did go to that show. I think show. that's why I went. Yeah. The only thing I remember about that show was I was really into Mr. T experience, but I was hanging out with the even ground guys and Jevin was here and the Mr. T experience guys were here and Jevin didn't know that they were right there and he was talking mad shit. <laughs> and I was looking at the guy and the guy's like, and just walked away and I was like, I like that band, dude. <laughs> that's the only thing I really remember about that show. But yeah, that's cool. Okay. So high school, you're in this band, you guys are playing shows. Did that keep going or did it fizzle no out not really we, and that band didn't play very many shows no. we probably played like four or five shows yeah and in, in over the course of like three years originals um for the most part a few covers yeah but mostly originals yeah so what came after that so after that i started a band uh called simple which was with the drummer of seafood buffet and then um ted you know ted roundhorst yeah, yeah. and ted was a baseball ground ted yeah um, He's a Carson guy too. Uh huh. 
So Ted was actually the first person I started going to shows with. Mm. He and I are the same age, but okay. he had a driver's license. He was like one of the first kids to have a driver's license. And he was one of the first kids I knew that was like a real punk rocker, like like had a mohawk and right. spiked hair and like wore <laughs> chains and stuff. Okay. Um, so we were always friends and always like hanging out and going to shows and stuff together. Yeah. And we didn't start a band together until like, I guess it was in between junior and senior year. Yeah. Um, and most of the, like most of the guys that I was hanging out with then had already all dropped out of high school. I was like kind of the only one left in yeah. school. Um, but we started playing and like he had, so, cause he didn't go to school, he had a job. So he, he always had money yeah. and he had wheels. So we would go to shows all the time. Yeah. Um, and then we started playing and that was like the first band that I went on tour with. That was the first band of actually like recorded demo and okay. stuff like that. So who else was in that band? Um, there was a guy named Jeff and he was the drummer in Seafood Buffet too. Okay. I don't think he really kept playing music after, after that, yeah. like after we stopped playing. Um, and then for a little while, Riffy's brother, Dero, I don't know if you've ever met mm -hmm. him, he played guitar for a little bit like at the very end. Yeah. But for the most part, it was just the three of us. What what bands were you playing with locally? Were you getting on bigger shows? Not really. I mean, like, just like backyard there shows? were a couple shows that came through Carson yeah. that were any of any of like a somewhat known band. If it came through, it was like it was usually Ted and I booking it. Yeah. So like we played with the Ataris, we played with Lucky Strike a bunch. Where was that? At the we played with them a couple times. Yeah, we played that, show, that show. We played with them at. Um, I forget mm. the name of the. It was like a dance studio that yeah, was above, above the coffee Java shop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we played a bunch of shows there. Yeah. Um, yeah, my wife was a, at that one for sure. Lucky Strike was up there, right? We played up there with them a couple yeah. times. Lucky Strike because they were just in Sacramento. They used to come yeah. here all the time. Yeah. Yeah, my wife loves that band. Yeah, they were pretty good. Saw them a lot. They were pretty good. But they yeah, were, they were really nice people too, yeah. and they sort of like, kind of took a liking to us and kind of took us under their wing a little bit because yeah. we were just like these you know scrappy little kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, all right, here we'll help you guys be a little less annoying. Yeah. So you knew like right away that DIY. If you want to play with a cool band, you better book them. Um, I, I guess so. Yeah. It, it, it was wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't that apparent to us. Yeah. It was just sort of like, we want to play shows and no one's coming here. So let's, it, we didn't, it wasn't thought of as a sort of, it wasn't thought of as like a business strategy or anything. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. thought of more as just like, we want this to happen and it's not happening. So let's figure out how to do That's it. That's cool, man. So did you guys play in Reno at all? Were, yeah, yeah, we played in Reno. asking you guys to play? Um, not a ton, but we played in Reno. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be this this place called the Hard Hat. Did you ever go to the shows there? God, it sounds so familiar. <clears throat> it was like, it was out on like a, it was out on Glendale. Was it a strip mall? It, it's like in the industrial area. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember. It's like a barbecue place now. But anyway, it was a bar that had shows for a while there, um, and they were they had a pretty uh, open door, loose policy when it came to. Um, consuming alcohol if okay. you were under the age of 21 so we loved playing there yeah yeah <laughs> so when you guys were going on tour and stuff who was booking that uh just ted yeah ted, yeah and how pretty far? much just ted i mean i don't think i really booked any of the shows it was it wasn't like anything we didn't like you're not going to east coast no you're we going... traveled like it was like all the shows were in california yeah, yeah. or and you were I in think high, only California. Were you in high school when yeah. this was that and your mom was okay with it? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like by that point I was like I was pretty much 
not like not like my mom you know abandoned me or anything right. but i was she was pretty hands off by that point because right. i was like you know i was you were a good kid yeah i was either 17 yeah. or 18 i wasn't like yeah i wasn't getting arrested i wasn't really getting in trouble or anything so yeah um i she was a single mom and i have a younger sister so like she had her hands full yeah how were those shows when you guys played out of town? They were terrible, but it was it was, <laughs> it was a, fun. It was a right? good formative experience. Did you guys have a van or anything? Or yeah, so yeah. Our, our drummer had this awful, just piece of shit Ford Econoline van. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it didn't have a catalytic converter, <laughs> which in the '90s in Carson City you could get away with that you sort still of stuff. Can. Uh, I just remember you would get like. You would get like sick if you sat in the back behind the gear oh, God. from fumes. Yeah. And the headlights would cut out. It had a short in the electricals, so the headlights would cut out. Those are the two things I remember about yeah. it. It was a pretty garbage van. Were you guys playing with Indecisive Youth at this time? Yeah. In this band? Yeah. So we we played with them a bunch. Um, uh, played, even Ground at all? Um, n I don't think we ever played with Even oh, Ground. Okay. I remember seeing Even Ground a couple times, but I I didn't pay as much attention to even ground until ted was in the band okay i gotcha um that's crazy how things are so intertwined right well so that's weird. i'm that's just how it is yeah but... you stick around here long enough and yeah. it's like oh it's the same 40 people in in, I, in your peer group it's the same 40 people i know i think it just blows my mind because i really like it it's yeah. like all these stories are like we're all we're all living this one life pretty yeah. much, you know. It's yeah. pretty cool, man. Yeah, so, it's so. that's one of the things I love about listening to your podcast. Yeah. It's like so many people that like, oh, I've known these people for yeah. 20, 25 yeah. years, and it's just cool to hear, <laughs> oh, I where I slot into those stories yeah. and what was going on at the other times. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's I love it. Yeah, me too. So did you guys record it all or just to do a demo? We did we did two demos. Um, that was it. We never made it, did anything like just a home, reco home recording stuff. There was this there was this guy right across the street from Fritch. Uh this guy named Tony Starr that had he bought like all the recording equipment. Do you remember uh Tony Starr? That that's a great name. The the music shop that Nick Justo worked at that had a recording studio in it. You remember that place? Um God, I don't remember. Sound services? Something like God, that. It sounds so familiar. It was right next to Scolari's. No. On Highway 50, there was no. a guitar shop, and it had a it had a recording studio in the back, and that's yeah. where like Indecisive Youth recorded their really? first tape and stuff like that. When that place closed, I'm pretty sure that Tony Starr was like all the gear he had was from there. Like, oh, he okay. bought yeah some amount of that gear or whatever, um, and that's where we recorded. It was that guy? He was just like this old shit kicker, like Carson City dude. <laughs> was it cool? Or were you guys <laughs> it was like, cool? I mean, were you guys it was, like, oh god? No, no. I mean, he was yeah. he was super nice yeah, and yeah. like you know took pity on us and didn't charge us very much yeah. or, or at all half the time like do you still have those recordings somewhere i've got a i've got one of the tapes um yeah i want to hear it all right it's <laughs> it's not very good it's fine you know I, actually I, I, think I think i've both of them but before that um we also recorded a demo uh our our friend radium recorded one too uh in his uncle's shed oh, okay. i completely forgot about it. i have that tape too so actually like three those, demos actually like those ones better those songs better all right yeah. so what happened next did the band fell apart yeah so um after high school um i moved to vegas uh after like 
getting a DUI and kind of like having a realizing that my life kind of sucked. I was like, oh, I'll move to Vegas. That'll fix everything. <laughs> um, and moved there with a girl that I was dating at the time. So the band split up and Ted joined Even Ground and I moved to Vegas and uh, like tried to get something going and just never did. Yeah. It's just too hard. It's Vegas is a really weird place yeah. where it's like uh, you live there for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know like if you. Ex- years. I don't know if you experienced this. Um, it was just like hard to make friends because yeah. it's so transient that yeah. no one ever like pictures themselves being there for yeah. that long. So no one really gets invested in anything. Yeah, it's weird. It took me going to shows a bunch and finally seeing the same people. Yeah. Like, busting into the scene mm. to actually start making friends. I, mean, I was but never yeah. really successful at that. Yeah. How like long I'm, were you there? Um, just shy of two years. Okay. Like I met one person that I was playing music with who was actually in bands up here. He was from there, but oh, then okay. like was in bands up here when he was in college and then graduated college and moved back there and we hooked up and jammed, but we never like, it never went anywhere. Yeah. And I was finally like, fuck this. Yeah. I hate living here. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go home. Yeah. Were you going to shows at all down there? Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't really meeting anyone. I was, yeah. like, I was going to shows. I worked at Tower Records. No like, kidding. Uh, you know, yeah. should have been, like, yeah. checked all the boxes, but. Oh, well, it took me a little over two years yeah. to finally get my foot into yeah. anything there. And that's when I started liking it. Mm. Like you, I hated it for, for so long. And then I was like, oh, I do like this place. You know? Yeah. It's, I never yeah. got there. I'd... It's a weird weird i gave town. up yeah. yeah i gave up and came back yeah um so what did you do when you got back here that was so that was when i started getting serious about playing music okay so that was like i worked at tower records um and that was when i started thinking french and it was with two other people that i worked with at tower records um that was when i started the record label so i started humanitarist okay um that was you know so i moved back here at the end of 2003 I moved to Reno in our, not the end, August of 2003. Yeah. And uh, Thinking French started playing in 2004. Uh, and Name Followed by Numbers started playing in 2005. And that was when I put out the first record was in 2005. It was the Name Followed by Number record. Okay. It was right before. We, like, we were a band and uh, our singer was about to go to law school. So we're like, well, shit, let's record these songs before yeah. we split. So Thinking French, what, I haven't even listened to it. What is it like? Um, it's like, like what inspired it. Uh, so backing up a little bit to, um, that Fugazi show that I mentioned, yeah. um, ar- around that time, like 98, 99, Fugazi became my favorite band and became like sort of an obsessive thing for me. Yeah. Um, so thinking French was very much inspired by Fugazi, okay. um, Sonic Youth, Unwound, Bands like oh, that, yeah, yeah. Um, not quite as like fast as the punk stuff I'd been listening to in high yeah. school, um, but a similar spirit. Yeah. Um, and the sort of the culture of DIY and just the sort of way of living your life that way um, really became like what that became like my main focus. That was what I was putting all my energy into. Like I was going to college, but I didn't really care about college. Like all I cared about was playing music and putting out records and like cultivating a scene. And it was around that time that like early 2006 that like I met Brit and we started 
I started talking to her and like Joe and all these people about like the Holland project, you know, before it was even the Holland project yeah. sort of thing. All of this started happening like around the same time. And like I was playing in these two bands and we were playing shows at Satellite. Um, and, you know, we were opening for bands that were, co- we were meeting bands that were coming through on tour, like other DIY bands and making contacts that way. And, you know, l- learning how to like, how to properly record and how to put out a record yeah. like what it what it actually involves yeah. and it turns out it's not that hard yeah you know where did you guys record um we started recording at this place in sacramento called the hangar okay um, it's this giant room that i think was a venue at some point yeah. but uh it was owned by john botch the guy who puts out tape op magazine oh okay so it was like full of the best recording equipment in the world yeah but it was like this shitty warehouse building so you know it was affordable but then you would leave there with like these amazing sounding recordings because the gear there was so great yeah um it was it was really cool like uh we got we just by chance this is back in like the early myspace era okay um i just started talking to the guys in the band terramelos you know that band Mm -mm. They were like a math rock band from Sacramento. Okay. Um, but this was like when they were first getting started and we just like connected with them <clears throat> and ended up playing the first show of their first tour was in Reno and thinking French opened for them. And yeah. back then they were like, they were insane. There they they was like a carnival act okay. that played music. They did like cartwheels and somersaults yeah. and shit and would like climb up the walls and stuff yeah. like, like, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen old videos of Dillinger Escape Plan. It was that yeah. like times ten. It was, ins- and I, awesome. I just remember watching them and being like, "Fuck, is this what bands are like now, dude? We have got to yeah. step it up." <laughs> but they were the ones that turned us onto the hangar. They were the first ones to tell oh, us okay. about it. Um, who was in Thinking French, or who is in? Uh, so at that time, it was uh, me and Mike Modine, Kyle Akins, and a guy named Zadenda from the Czech Republic. Okay. Um, that and that version of the band played for about nine months a year, and then Zadendo went back to the Czech Republic, and we started playing with a guy named Patrick. Okay, uh, and that's who the band still is now. Okay, the it's that that band played and and toured um, pretty extensively for about two years, and then we stopped playing, and didn't really start playing again. Didn't start playing again at all until. Um, at, during the pandemic 2020 i had this idea before the pandemic we're kind of jumping around timelines no here problem. but whatever i had this I, I i didn't have this idea i stole the idea from dan ruby of making a record for my 40th birthday with everyone that i've ever been in a band with oh, wow. and i was like compiling all this stuff together and booking recording time and everything yeah. and then COVID happened yeah. and it basically like shut that kind down ruined it but I already had the recording time booked for thinking French. So I was like, well, fuck it. Let's keep it. Yeah. Um, so we wrote some songs and learned them and made a new record. Oh, I mean, it's an cool. EP, but it's yeah. like, I, I didn't think that band was ever going to play again. Yeah. And it's weird. It's, it's almost kind of like a, like a high school girlfriend sort of thing where it's like, you know, now that all this, all these years have passed, the sort of like, whatever whatever like tensions and disconnects and like whatever things were were uh toxic about the relationship yeah. you forget about that sort of stuff and you only focus on like right. oh, i was so in love <laughs> i was so in love yeah. back then yeah um 
And luckily it wasn't like we got back together and we were at each other's throats or yeah. anything. We had a really good time and we're yeah. like, fuck, maybe we should just keep doing this. Like we're all, That's we're all cool. old men now. Like, yeah, why not? Yeah. It's different. Yeah. So at that time, what was the other band that you were in? Uh, the other band was called Name Followed by Number, Name and I played bass Number. in that band. So I played guitar and sang and think in French. But think in French is the kind of band where like we would switch up stuff a lot. Oh, okay. So sometimes I played bass, sometimes I played guitar. Okay. Sometimes I sang, sometimes I didn't. Yeah. So did you guys do anything with that band? With the which band? Second band. Name Followed by Number. Played. So that band uh, also put out. A, that was the first. The first Humanitarist record was that. That was the first band I recorded at the Hangar with. That band did a couple tours, um, and then that was pretty much it. Okay. But it was mostly just to, like, get that stuff all recorded because yeah. we really liked it. And what's the name of the record label that you started? Humanitarist. Okay. And wh- why? Just just to, just to put out your records? Yeah. Yeah, basically, I started to put out that Name Followed by Number record. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to put out a, like, Thinking French was working on stuff at that time, but it wasn't in 2005, but it hadn't come out yet. Yeah. It was basically, yeah, I wanted to put out those records. And uh, being the sort of, of a couple minds, one, uh, like, all the punk rock records that I loved were all on a record label. So in my head, it was just like, well, a punk band has to be on a record label. And two, being as infatuated with Discord as I was, I was like, well, if I start a record label, it should be only Reno bands. Mm. Um, So... That was kind of where that came from. And yeah. Mike Modine from Thinking French was the one that actually came up with the name Humanitarist. That's a cool name. He and I lived together, like the whole band lived together in a house at that time. So um, was the idea to put out just vinyl or were you just putting the out The idea everything? was, honestly, it didn't extend beyond like putting out that name followed by number CD and then a Thinking French CD. Okay. And right around that same time, we had um, some friends in a band called Back Carlo Road and they wanted to put out a record. Uh, and I had already put out the name followed by number record. So like, will you help us put out our record, help us figure out how to, how to record it and everything. Yeah. So like I hooked them up with a guy at the hangar that we worked with. And then I like, I helped them press their record and everything. Oh, cool. And right around that same time, um, like beer can had just started and they were practicing at our house. Okay. Uh, cause they didn't have a house with a basement or anything. Um, so Bill asked me about putting out a record, a split with them and Cobra Skulls. Um, and like Cobra Skulls had just started playing around that time too. So that was, honestly, it was, it wasn't all those, those sort of early things weren't even thought out. It was yeah. just like by the luck of me being the first one to fill out an order form, I became the de facto record <laughs> guy. Like I also yeah. like my mom had died about a year before that. So I had a little bit of money, not like a, a ton but yeah. enough that i could like front for a, a i could front a, you know yeah. 1200 bucks to put out a record yeah. uh i remember the first time we talked it kind of it blew my mind that you put out that cobra skulls i was like what yeah i love that band yeah i mean i like beer can too yeah i, I put wrong, out but... an ep of theirs too just by like same sort of thing you yeah. know it's that, that time, that like sort of 2005 to 2008 was like a super fertile time. Yeah. Where, you know, there was so much going on. Yeah. There were so many great bands. Um, that, like that was when the Holland Project was just getting started. There were so many bands coming through on tour. Yeah. That was a really cool time. There yeah. was a lot going on then. Yeah. I think it's starting to get back to that. Fingers crossed. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so like, I'm so removed from that now that like for... The younger people that are here, I really hope that's the case. But yeah. I don't. I think my days of enjoying that, yeah, um, 
aside from just like being on the sidelines and cheerleading for it, I yeah. think those are kind of behind me. Yeah. So what band was next after after that? Uh, so after that, when uh, thinking French, so Name Followed by Number kind of stopped playing when Jacques went to grad school. Um, we would occasionally play like whenever everyone was in town, but uh, thinking French kind of became my main focus after that for a couple years. After that, um, Mike and I started a band called Short Hair that was like far more of a punk band. Okay. Not like, it was more punk like, you know, there were short, abrasive songs. Um, not like skate beats or anything. Yeah, but, okay. But it's all punk, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, totally. So, so was, it, was it serious? Like, were you guys yeah, like, so let's th- do this? Yeah, so that band, every band that I've, serious enough, I mean, okay. every band that I've been in is like, been a touring band and, and like, made records and stuff. Gotcha. And it's, it's never like, we're trying to do this for a job. Um, I don't think that any of the bands I've been in have, for lack of a better term, been marketable enough right. to be a band that I could do for a job. Yeah. Um, I The music I make is just too weird yeah. for that. Yeah. But it's always been more than just like, more than a hobby. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, that band toured for a couple years and played a ton of shows. Um, Did you guys record? Yeah. that That's probably the band, other than Elephant Rival, I've recorded with the most. Yeah. We never made a full length, but we made, I don't know, like five EPs or so. Where'd we you guys record some of that All stuff? over. So yeah. we recorded some at the hangar. We recorded some with um, our friend Justin, Justin Morales here in town. One time on tour, uh, do you know the EMP in Seattle? Uh-uh. It's the Experience Music Project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like totally. this big, like that. Yeah. It's like a like a boomer museum yeah. to like <laughs> Seattle rock. Keep talking. Sort of I'm going to take off my hoodie. All right. Um, they've got all these rooms like in the center of it that are these little recording studios. And it's, you know, for 10 bucks or f- however much it was, it, it was a nominal amount. It was like less than $40. Yeah. It'll just record you for 10 minutes. And they've got like a drum set and a guitar and a bass and everything oh, set up cool. in there. It was a while. So one time when we were on tour, we went there and like our set was duck's ass tight because we'd been playing it every night for like two weeks. So we just banged out an EP there just and it sounds off. It's like all blown out and distorted because they're not used to like they're not used to guys coming in there and just like really hammering on their instruments. So the everything's clipped and like. But it sounds that's great. Awesome, it's, that's like one of my favorite that's, records. Yeah, that's super <laughs> pumped. And the story of it's so absurd. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. So where else would you guys go in that band? How? What was the farthest you traveled with that band? With short hair, we mostly just kind of stuck to like the Western United yeah. States. Um, thinking French went all the way out to like, I guess, kind of the Midwest. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So what happened with that band? Um. Well, as with a lot of stuff at that age, like everyone's like partying, everyone's drinking a bunch. Um, no one's really like taking mental health seriously. Yeah, yeah. No one's, uh, nobody has any money. So everyone's stressed out all the time. Um, nobody has a place to live or can barely afford a place to live. Um, we just like, 
we let it grind down on us. Yeah. And, you know, there were a lot of times where members of the band just did not get along with each other. But I think it was mostly because we just like, we were young and, and we were idiots. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with, with substance issues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been the story of a lot of things. That's been the story of my life, you know, until I got sober. Yeah. That so many of the things that I was involved with ultimately shot itself in the foot because I or I and everyone else was fucked up. Yeah. And not just like fucked up, like, you know, ruining performances or anything, but just like the sort of the sort of mindset you have when you're in active addiction. Yeah. I was like, you don't, you don't always make the best choices and, and your future prospects are not something that you're always working towards in a positive way. Right. Like I would have loved to have been in a band for a living, but I wasn't willing to do the sort of stuff that needed to be done to yeah. do that because yeah. I would rather get fucked up. Yeah. I've, the older I get <clears throat> like playing music, the more I realize why so many musicians just get fucked up all the time. One, we're all kind of weird. Two, we're bored on tour. Like, what else are you going to do? Tour's super boring. You wait for fucking ever yeah. for, to play a show, and you're like, well, we might as well start drinking. Yeah. There's nothing else to do. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm almost glad I didn't go on tour younger because I would have been the same way. Yeah. I would just been loaded all the time. Yeah. It's just like... And nothing good ever comes of that. No. I mean, like, you end no. up hurting yeah, your, your bandmates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you end up doing shit that you regret, yeah. and it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. I mean, that, uh, but uh, that being said, it's not always like that either. Right, right. But there was enough of that 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 was what hamstrung most of the endeavors that I was involved in. Yeah. And I and and not to like cast dispersions on anyone. Like I'm just as guilty as everyone else in right. the band. And I and I don't fault anyone for that. Like that was how it was. And I don't know that I would be the person I am now had I not gone through that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was ultimately what happened with pretty much every band I was in. Like yeah. eventually we just imploded. Yeah. Or someone moved away. Usually someone moved away, but someone would move away because like Whatever was going on here wasn't that great. Yeah. Yeah. So after that band ended, what was next? Um, so I played in a band for a little while called Manacle. Okay. Um, it was like a instrumental math rock band. Um, I didn't start that band. That was the f that was the first band I played in that like I joined an already existing band. Okay. Um, and then at, you know, so that and Short Hair were kind of going on at the same time. I was in both okay. of those bands. Um, and pretty much like the last short hair tour was in december of 2009 and earlier that month was the first time i jammed with troy michaud who was the first drummer in elephant rifle okay so basically like just for the hell of like it, short or? hair and yeah just because it was like we'd been friends for a long time and yeah. i've he played drums in a band called young lions um that think and french played with a bunch mm. that i love They're yeah. like one of if not my favorite reno band of all time, oh, like cool. I, I, I hold the, the. They're like up there with like Zoinks. What is it called? Me. What are they called? Young Lions. Young Lions, and did do they have recordings and stuff that I can yeah. listen to? So I've, okay. I'm actually about to uh, re-release 
their entire discography. Oh, cool. So they recorded two records. Um, and Ty, and Ty, who was the second drummer in Elephant Rifle, was also in that band. Okay. Um, and he and I have been talking about it a bunch lately, and we're going to re-release all that stuff. Cool. Um, so it's on, like, streaming and everything yeah, yeah. like that. That'll probably be sometime um, a little later this year. Yeah. But I I loved that band. Yeah. That band was so good. Yeah. And that was the only band I ever saw Troy play drums in. Um, so it was just like, we should, you know, play sometime. You know, like, you're a great drummer. You don't play drums in anything. Like, <laughs> let's just yeah. start jamming. Yeah. So we started jamming, and like I said, that last short hair tour happened, and maybe the next week, um, Troy and Brad and I were jamming. And, you know, around that same time before that, Brad and I had gone to a show, and said we went to see the Jesus Lizard on one of their reunion tours in 2009. And on the drive back, we're like, fuck, man, we should start a band like that. That yeah. is so, that kicked so much ass. Yeah. That band was so fun. And that music was so like, just heavy and slimy and and perfect. Like, why don't we start a band like that? Yeah. So um, yeah, Troy and I started jamming, and then uh, Brad started singing with us, and that was how Elephant Rival started. That's awesome. That was in like, I think January. It may have even been in December when our first practice with the three of us. Was. And did it click like right away? Yeah, pretty much. Like, okay. Pretty much. And who was writing most of the stuff? Um, was it everybody. It was. I was pretty much writing the music. Um, it was just guitar, drums, and vocals at that point. Yeah. And Brad was writing all his all his lyrics and and vocals, and that's that's kind of still. I mean, that's one of the ways that we write now. That's yeah. still like a pretty tried and true method for yeah. for us. Um, yeah, I think we had been playing for like two months before we started. We played our first show. And what was that? Do you remember? Yeah, it was it? It was so at that point, um, the Keystone space that the Holland Project was in had shut down, um, and the Holland Project had moved to where Death and Taxes is right yeah. now, uh, and just had half of that building. And it was just like we had an art gallery in there, and we would sometimes do shows there, yeah. but. At that point, Holland Project was pretty nomadic, and we were just kind of doing shows wherever. Um, I was the, at that point. I was also the music director for the Holland Project. Okay. Um, and our first show was at the Holland Project in that little gallery space. Just how, how jammed was a bunch it? of people. It was great. It was yeah. It was super fun. It was like all our best friends were there. So yeah. It was awesome. It was a really good show. Yeah. Um. So the, yeah, at that point, we already knew that Troy was going to be leaving. Okay. He was planning on moving to Portland. So yeah, that band, that version of Elephant Rifle uh, recorded an EP and did a West Coast tour. And at the end of that tour, Troy moved. And we're like, all right, that's probably it for Elephant Rifle. Oh, man. Uh, was that that EP was the Teenage Love? No, it was before that. It was, oh, it was called Christian House of Girls. Okay. It's only on our band camp. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I noticed there's a bunch of different stuff on that. that yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that's only everywhere. on our band camp that's, that's not on like Spotify yeah. or anything. Um, gotta come to the source to get that. I know. <laughs> well, I scoured. I even was like on Discogs. I'm like, something's not adding up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> we put out all kinds of weird like tapes and stuff yeah. too, just yeah, for fun. It's cool. Yeah, They're, like stuff that we would just do for like, oh, we need to have a new release for this tour. Let's yeah. like, let's record a demo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and record, make like fifty cassettes, which yeah. was something we actually did. Yeah. So um, what held held the band together? So, uh, uh, like, 
so after that version of the band broke up, we started jamming with Ty. Um, and then Scott started jamming with us too. And w- at first, it wasn't going to be Elephant Rifle. We were oh, just going to okay. start something else. Yeah. But we were having a hard time figuring out a path. So we're like, well, let's just try jamming on some of these old Elephant Rifle songs and see what happens. And instantly it was just like, oh, well, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Like, the, this is already a band. Yeah. Um, and just that it just kept going from there. Okay, cool. Uh, how do you tune? Do you tune there's different? A, there's a couple different ways. Is there? Yeah. What's yeah. your main? Is it because you're a little bit lower, right? Um, or you don't want to give anything yeah. away. No, no, it's, it's no. I'll talk about it. It's, I just have to think about it because yeah, it's yeah. been different throughout. Okay. So when we first started, I was tuning to D a okay. lot. Um, what are you doing now? Now it's kind of a mix of drop D and just standard tuning. Okay. Um, but sometimes, like on some of the songs on the new record, um, I'm playing a tuning where it's like drop D, but then my little string is also tuned to D. Okay. Sometimes I'm playing a tuning where it's standard tuning, but the, the my number my one string is tuned to a D. Um, for the albums Ivory and Hunk, we tuned to A four thirty two. Okay. And half of those songs were in uh, a standard tuning, but A four thirty two, and half of those songs were in D, but tuned to A four thirty two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the tuning is like. I don't know if you noticed. I change guitars a lot. I when was I was just gonna ask because the last time I saw you was at the the podcast show, at uh-huh. the, and I don't remember you changing your guitar. Well, the because I have I have two guitars that look oh, almost okay. identical, okay. but they're tuned yeah. totally different. Okay. That's and that's why I change them. Okay. So, so do you, are you playing like three different tunings per show, or usually just two? Okay. Usually just two. Um, okay. Yeah. So like sometimes I'll I'll just you know tune it on the fly, yeah, but yeah, okay. usually I'll try to keep two guitars that are tuned differently and what, just trade what, them off. What amp are you using? Um, currently I'm using a. That's a that's another thing. Like we could spend a whole hour just talking about all the different gear that I, I've used throughout I know, the years. I know what um, currently. Currently I'm playing a Sovtech Mig 100, oh, which is a okay. hundred watt high gain amp uh-huh. uh, through. That's the Russian one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, through a '90s uh, Mesa Boogie half open back 412. Okay. That I I think used to belong to Jim Williams. Oh. Because okay. he saw it when I first bought it, and he's like, "I think that's mine." Because <laughs> it has these really distinct casters on it that are like yeah. these weird locking casters, okay. and he's like, "Well, I had one of those cabs, and I put those casters on it, and yeah. then they're not like stock. You wouldn't. This is, these aren't yeah. the kind of casters you would just find anywhere. So." Um, so I think that's his old cab. And then I'm also playing a Vox AC30. What are your pedals? Uh, let's see. I've got, on the board right now, I've got a early 90s Russian Big Muff reissue. The ones that just came out like maybe five or six years ago. So not, it's like a bubble font reissue. It's not an actual bubble font. Okay. Um, a small stone, an Ibanez of chorus pedal of boss dd6 which is like an old digital delay um that and that's the pedal i've had the longest like i've got that i think i bought that pedal in like 2002 okay and i've and and like i used it in thinking french yeah and i used it on my bass in short hair and i've used it in elephant rifle the whole time um i've also got another uh earthquaker it's called like 
it's not spiral stairs that's a guitar player for pavement but it's something like that yeah. and it's a delay pedal that's got like oscillation um i've got a wah on there i've got a powered line splitter and i've got a fuzz face a germanium fuzz face so is this like how long will this last this um, i'm already gonna tear i'm already stuff? gonna tear this apart before we go on tour really and build a different pedal board but why well for one we're not taking our gear we're just i'm just taking the soft tech head and my guitars and my pedals okay and the band that we're touring with we're borrowing all of their gear okay so we're touring in my car Got and it. i drive a forerunner yeah, it's yeah, like we're yeah, not gonna yeah. be able to no I we don't have a van so yeah. we're borrowing but gear is on it, this tour is part of like your sound changing for you personally is like your gearhead i or I do you have a specific? I like, didn't no. think I was a gearhead for yeah. a long time. I thought that like around like 2013 or so, I was like, I've cracked it. I'm never gonna change my sound <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah, like yeah. this is the sound. Um, but yeah. yeah, it seems like every six months or so, I'm, something major I'm changing. Yeah. Cause like I was playing in orange for a long time, and yeah. I why'd you switch? Um, I just I. Because orange to me is very stoner metal. Yeah, I just that didn't like green. it. It's, I didn't like it. It was too mid rangey. Okay. Um, Especially or maybe being not mid rangey enough. I don't know. It's for whatever reason, being <coughs> the only guitar player, it didn't have yeah. enough clarity. Um, I used to have the main amp, my main workhorse amp for a long time was this, the 5150 combo, the 60 watt combo that I gotcha. have. Um, and I love that amp, but it's super old and unreliable yeah and it got to the point where uh Ilya, my friend that works on my amps he's worked on it so many times that he's like i'm not gonna work on this anymore man sorry you gotta yeah. buy a new amp oh, yeah. um which i don't blame him it's also a pain in the ass to work on yeah um so that was the one thing that i thought i was like this is going to be a staple piece of my gear forever yeah. and then when i couldn't rely it on on it anymore it's like well gotta rebuild yeah and Honestly, like, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that that happened. I yeah. never would have bought that Vox amp if I if that hadn't happened, and that's maybe my favorite amp yeah. now. It sucks because I went through the same thing, and once you change the amp, everything else changes, mm -hmm. and it's like, dude, it doesn't. It's not as easy as people think it is. It's like you have a sound, and now my I've gone from a Fender to an orange. Now I need the pedals to kind of like, yeah, uh, it's just, it's a pain in the ass and I'm still going through it. And being in a punk band, I've had pedals, I've gotten rid of pedals. And just recently I'm like, no, I'm no, I'm using the orange distortion. I don't care anymore. Yeah, This is it. I'm keeping it simple. But then I see a band like you and I'm like, fuck dude, I need to be in a band like that. <laughs> Cause I want all those pedals. I no, have tons start. of pedals. Don't I know. start. I have a ton of pedals at home and I never get to use them because I'm just in a punk band. I'm like, uh, but you could be in a punk band and do all that sort of stuff though. I mean I, I know, but I have a very specific way that I like yeah. to hear my punk rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm like skate punk. I want to hear the two guitars going off of each other. I'm, are you, I'm like Are you a fan of the Lagwagon album Double Platinum? Yeah. So that's my favorite Lagwagon album. Okay. And that's my favorite era of that, of, of like skate punk, of yeah. like that kind of. And that's the era of like heavy petting zoo. Yeah. Um, that double platinum. Uh, Twisted by Design was the strung out album around that time. Yeah. Um, 60 Cycle Hum was the pulley oh, yeah. album, which yeah. is my favorite pulley album. But there, and uh, not too long after that was when Face to Face did Ignorance is Bliss, which mm -hmm. is my favorite Face to Face album, which is like the least punk. It sounds yes. nothing like Face to Face. Yeah. Uh, 
that there's something weird that happened between like late 96 and like early 98 where all of those bands were like fuck it we're gonna start making these weird records with a ton of effects yeah. and we're gonna slow down and we're gonna change our songwriting styles and everything. Yeah. a ton of bands did it and for the most part i think all of those records got shit on so everyone yeah. kind of went back to the way that they were doing it before yeah but face that, to face for sure for sure but yeah like twisted by design sounds like strung out yeah that lag wagon it, it sounds like lag wagon. but you listen to that compared to like no i know the but stuff before and that after face to face was way dude that record's so good i don't like it. that record's so good <laughs> i love it i love that record yeah i know a lot of people do but I, I, I just i'm curious like what was going on in the scene at that time that all of those bands made they were all like bored. a similar move they're regular musicians like us if you think about it they're all about the same age they probably were all playing shows and they were all like i'm tired of this yeah dude. let's do something different. this is like everyone did it at the same yeah. time they're all yeah. just like cool yeah they probably were like we have enough clout if we write a shitty record we'll be able to come back from it and for most of those bands the record they made in that around that time it probably also has something to do with like i was you know 16 15 16 17 around that time i was also fancying myself someone who was like you know i wasn't into what was mainstream but also i was like contrarian among my friends too and like well yeah. you know i'm like i'm onto some new shit yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of stuff yeah, so for sure it makes sense that those would be my yeah. favorite records but those are all my favorite records yeah. by those bands That's cool i'm gonna have to go back and go go through them all now that you mentioned them just the production aspect alone like that 60 cycle hum pulley record is the production on that record is so crazy that the dude that produced that was he did like a black crows record or something like mm -hmm. that it wasn't like ryan green it wasn't yeah. like the normal yeah fat record stuff they were just they were just doing like this weird shit and it's, yeah i loved it yeah so all that's to say is like you can do that sort of stuff in a punk. No, game. I know, I know. I just my problem is I go down this road and I'm like, keep it simple. Yeah, and that's why you know I don't want to I don't want to go to the studio because I ain't got enough money to be like let's test out fifty different guitars. This yeah. is the sound I want. Let's do it. And and then I don't know. That's kind of like why I like being a graphic designer too. It's like yeah. I'm in. I'm not an artist that can splatter paint everywhere. <laughs> I've got this one thing that I got to do and I'm done. Like yeah. I don't know. I like experimenting. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I don't know. For a long time, I didn't fancy myself the kind of person that could afford to be a gearhead. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't right. have enough money. But, yeah, it's. You, I mean, I've just been at way. it. I, well, and I've been at it long enough. Yeah. It's like it's not like I get rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah. But now, you know. I never get rid of it. Almost anything. 30 years into playing guitar, it's like, oh, now I've got yeah. enough stuff that I can be a gearhead. I've got this awesome Ampeg um bass rig that i'm like i'm gonna play bass again one day it's just sitting there it's, yeah it's, it's worth a lot and i could probably sell it but i'm like nah i'll be in a band one day yeah. as a bass player again yeah. i'm like i'm just gonna keep it like yeah i've i've still got a great bass amp several bass cabs i've yeah. got a, an amazing bass guitar yeah i haven't played bass in a band in 15 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to Elephant Rifle. Right. So that first uh, Teenage Love, it was a single-sided 12-inch? Yeah. Was that on purpose? Yeah, we just didn't have enough songs. So why wasn't it like a 10-inch or anything? Why was it? It's cheaper to make a 12-inch. Oh, really? Yeah, 10-inches are expensive. Oh, are they? They're more expensive than 12-inches. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. It was I've too long for a 7-inch and not enough for a full length. So we just so put it out on one it. side. Yeah, just like put it on one-sided. Is that exist? After, after we did that, our friend Josh Hagman was like, you guys should have put the 
EP you recorded as a three piece on the other side. Yeah. It's like fuck, we should have done Damn that. It. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen like I've got an unwound uh, seven inch that's like one sided seven mm-hmm. inch, and then a uh, Ramones that's like their logo on the other side. But I haven't seen any anything else that's just a one sided yeah. twelve inch. I mean, because it's a waste of space. It's like, <laughs> it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Was but... that that was the the reincarnation? Yeah, so that was uh, that was with Ty and Scott. That was the first record we did as a four piece. Where'd you record that one? At the Hangar. Okay. That was the last thing I recorded at the Hangar because okay. the Hangar shut down maybe like a year after that. I think Pierre recorded there too. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that. Um, yeah, I'm, I know several renal bands have recorded there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what was after that? You did the after that we did Party some, Child. Oh yeah, after that, that we did f- Party Child. We recorded that's the first that full length. That was the first full length. We recorded that here in town. Okay. Um, if you're driving over the Wells Overpass, there's that large brick. It used to be a Resco building, but every large brick building in Reno used to be a Resco building. Yeah. Um, it's got like a big Olympia billboard yeah. on top. Okay. So we recorded in the basement of that. Really? Yeah. Uh, Just somebody's studio or? No, it's not a studio. It was a giant concrete room. And like no heating, no. Wait, no. did you guys record that? Yeah, that's oh, okay. where we recorded Party Child. Okay. In December, in a giant concrete basement with no heat and no electricity. Um, Why did you just somebody so, you knew somebody? So who Zach, had it? Zach and Crevice, the guys that recorded that record, they recorded a name fall or they recorded a My Flag Is On Fire record there. Like okay. Maybe six months before we recorded there, and it was really cool. It was just like. It's a super vibey place for sure. I yeah. mean, it's like, what do they call it? The the lair of the Wizard of Bosnia. And it looks communist as fuck. I yeah, mean, yeah, it's just yeah. concrete walls, yeah. concrete pillars, dirt floor. Like, it is a vibe. And it's huge. Yeah, It's the entire footprint of that building. Um, which is weird because that record, it definitely sounds cold. And to me, sounds claustrophobic. Even though we recorded it in this giant room. Yeah. And that was just a, the nature of how it was recorded. I yeah. mean, it's kind of a little bit of those songs, but way more how it was recorded and how it was performed. Um, that was cool. It was definitely unlike any way I had ever made a record before yeah. or since. Because we took a really long, we took like nine months to make that record. And okay. I've, I've never done that before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, haven't done that since. Yeah. But since we were doing it in town um, and we were doing it with a friend, we kind of had the luxury of doing that. So what did you guys do with that? You just push pushing it, touring it. Yeah, pretty much. With it? Pretty much. Um, and it is that's on vinyl. Yeah, and yeah. That's that, on. Your that's, on label? that's on. Well, those are those are all gone now, but it was on vinyl. But okay. yeah, that was that was another thing. Um, it's a joint release between my record label and Satan's Pimp, yeah. but only Satan's Pimp was a label in the '90s yeah. in Reno that our friend John ran. Is and he we the just, Atomics guy? No, he's in uh, he's in Iron Lung. Okay, and he was in Gob. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, um, we just thought it would be really funny to make it a Satan's Pimp release. So we're yeah. like, John, can we make this a Satan's Pimp record? Because he hadn't put out a record in like I don't know over ten years at that okay. point. And he was like, Yeah, knock yourselves out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so that's why it's a joint Satan's Pimp release. Yeah. But that was that was mostly just us wanting to like paying homage to our friends and to you know something that we came up on yeah yeah so what'd you guys do after that so after that um i have like dirty pillows mixtape yeah so that that was the tape that we recorded because we were going on tour and we're like oh we should have something new for it so we just recorded that in our in scott yeah our basement 
Um, were and they then, new songs? Yeah, those were okay. all new songs. Um, all of those songs ended up, like polished versions of those, ended up on our next album, Ivory. Okay. Um, except we did the B side of that is a Rush cover that is like yeah, it's like that. a ten minute Rush cover. <laughs> that was we were playing that cover live a lot at that oh, really? time, and it was really fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. But so right after that, Scott moved to Long Beach um, to be with his girlfriend at the time. And we started playing with uh, with Mike Mayhall on bass. Um, and that was the lineup that recorded Ivory, the second full length. Okay. And then not too long after we recorded Ivory, Ty, our drummer, moved to New York. So it's kind of been, a, at least in the earlier stages of the first couple of years of Elephant Rifle, it was, a, it was kind of marked by like people leaving yeah. and, and sort of having to like restart every so yeah. often where um, was ivory recorded that was recorded in sacramento at a place called the dock studio which was when john botch closed the hangar he opened up two other studios one in sacramento and one in stinson beach oh okay and the stinson beach one it's called panoramic house still exists okay the dock studio I, th- I think also still exists but john botch doesn't own it anymore um so it was basically like a lot of the same gear from the hangar yeah same dude that owned it we recorded with the same uh engineer that did teenage lover it was a okay. friend of mine who also recorded all the thinking french stuff and the name followed by number stuff it's like the same guy that i've been working with yeah. for a long time oh that's cool um yeah, a guy named robert cheek he's amazing yeah um, so that was that record. Then Ty left and we kind of weren't a band for, I don't know, about a year or so. And then we started playing with Mike Young again, or started playing with Mike Young. Um, and for the next year, kind of, or the next, like maybe two years kind of juggled, we would play local stuff here with Mike. Um, and then Ty would fly out when we would do tours. And it was like pretty unfair for everyone involved and pretty like taxing on everyone yeah. involved and eventually let it led to like um some hurt feelings and a little bit of a falling out with ty unfortunately um we're okay now but that was like kind of a difficult time yeah um but at that same time like i was starting a business and like you know i was a father and brad was uh becoming a father again and you know um there's just a lot going on in life uh and you know this was like 2015 2016 or so um so we didn't you know we didn't really capitalize on ivory you know it was a record that came out and like was by our accounts like fairly well received and had you know had a little bit of momentum yeah but we were at a position in life where we couldn't really capitalize on that yeah and that's kind of been the story of the band ever since so in 2018 we recorded hunk um that was the first time we worked with tim green is that the grass valley yeah is that the um he's done like melvin's he's recorded so many records he played guitar in nation of ulysses and he played guitar in the fucking champs and no kidding um yeah he's, he's just been around forever so why'd you guys decide there um he was a fan of the band oh okay like I'm I'm pretty sure he got turned on to us. I don't know if he found us on his own or if uh, my guess is that Tim Blake turned him on to us because Tim Blake's friends with him. Okay. And like Priscilla Ford had already recorded yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. 
um, Hate Recorder, another band that Tim was in <coughs> that um, I, I put their records out on Humanitarist. They had recorded there. Uh, so, yeah, just, you know, through the mutual contact, uh, the mutual connection of Tim and him being, you know, Tim Green being a fan of Elephant Rifle. It was like, we just reached out. And he's a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, pretty easy to work with. That was a great experience. I mean, so much so that we recorded the new album with him too. Like, is it was that one all to tape? No, no, because I no, know I, he does that. He, or he, he does record. That. He does record stuff on tape, but um, we've never recorded on oh, tape okay. with him. He does digital too. Yeah, okay. Ivory was the only record we ever did on tape, and it's like, it's good. It's I'm glad we did it that way, but it was kind of unnecessary. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I don't feel like it brought anything extra to yeah. the experience other than to just say that we did it. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the new one then. That's, cool. You recorded at the same place? Yeah, we recorded that with Tim also, with Tim and Green. It's, it's called Broken Water? It's called Broken Water. And when's it come out? It comes out uh, April 28th. April 28th, and you're doing a little tour for that, right? Yeah, so we're playing a festival in Minneapolis um, Memorial Day weekend, so we're touring out there and back. Okay. Yeah, so that's it. That'll be the the record release tour. <coughs> Try and sell some records. How is how is it recording at this Grass Valley studio? It's amazing. To others, it's, like it's so great. It's so it's like Tim's property, and it's in this valley. It's just like kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You know, yeah. you're surrounded by nature. He's got this amazing studio. that's like super vibey. You know, you're surrounded by like greenery, and you know, there's all this like wood and deer antlers and crazy instruments yeah. everywhere and it's like it's awesome yeah. tim's a, a really easygoing guy really easy to work with like he's got good ideas he's got a good ear the gear is all awesome yeah so it's just is it the nicest studio that you've recorded at huh probably yeah i mean the doc studio is pretty cool to, none of them are like they're not like here it's not like you Super know, this pro, this sort like, of like clean yeah, sort of like track lighting, right. like what you think of when you think of yeah, a recording studio. Like an LA studio. It's, yeah, it's like, not like that. It it's yeah, it's studio. I mean like okay. Tim's studio is like an old R V barn yeah. that he converted into okay. a recording studio. Like it's as pro a recording yeah. studio as as it comes. It's just but the vibe. The vibe the is guy. way different. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So um so for the new one, did you guys change the way you write songs or is there anything Oh, the, so the biggest this, thing about like... the new record is uh, in 2019, um, Mayhall decided he was like he he left the band on on good terms. It just wasn't it just wasn't something that he had the energy or effort to to he he didn't have the energy to give the to give the band what it needed. Yeah. Um. So Scott came back to the band, the bass player on the the first couple of records, rejoined the band. He had moved back to Reno by that point. Um, so that's the biggest change yeah. is that, you know, a, a core early member is back in the band and someone who had a, a big hand in that early songwriting in the band is back in the band. Um, as far as the approach to recording, um, this record I would say is a lot more loose than hunk. Um, you know, matching its namesake, Hunk was a really sort of like tight, confined, 
Like we recorded everything to a click track. We had everything. Oh, okay. Like we recorded demos for months before we recorded, and we went there and we re- we recorded the whole record in three days because yeah. it was just like we knew exactly what we were doing. Wow. We didn't do that with this record. Okay. Um, we recorded this over three different recording sessions over a year and a half. Oh, wow. So, um, so while it's not like like on Party Child where it was something that we were slowly working on for over nine months, this was like three different little bursts, but the bursts were all like pretty spread out. Yeah. So, it, again, was it something that I hadn't – I had never really made a record that way before. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of – different i mean we've always had different instrumentation on our records but not to the extent that we do on this one yeah um particularly in that like we're all playing it so in the past we've had guests come on to play like you know tristan played organ on our first record and we've had like horn players on it and we've had like some piano here and there and stuff but this record has like a lot of that kind of stuff on it um We didn't want to just make like another muscular heavy record. It's a muscular heavy record, but that's not the only thing that we're into. And in fact, anymore, I think like most of us or all of all four of us probably don't listen to a lot of heavy music. And I think that is representative on the record. Um, Hopefully people like it. Yeah. It's always, you know, you're always taking a gamble when you yeah. do that sort of stuff. But yeah. um, artistically, it, it feels right to me oh, and it yeah. feels honest and it feels like it's probably the record I'm the most proud of of any record I've ever made. Cool. Um, it's really good. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> if, if I may pat myself on the back. <laughs> like I realized yeah. as I was saying that, like, oh, this really, this really kicks butt, you <laughs> no, know? man. Um, you got to be standing behind your own stuff. That, like, that's something I've always said. Like, yeah. if you don't like yeah, the band you that you're it? in and the records you make, like, yeah, why are you doing yeah. it? People are like, you listen to your own band? So, yeah, I listen to Elephant Rifle yeah. all the time. I really like Elephant Rifle. I know. I was that's why that, I'm in this band. I, I think this band kicks this ass. morning, man. I heard one of my songs, and I'm like, I left it on, and I'm like, I write music I want to hear. Yeah, like, totally. Of course I'm going to listen totally. to my shit, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think that this record is... Um, I think it's really honest. I think it's like, if I if I had to sort of describe a, a sort of gestalt of the record, I would say it's a record about like, it's a record about like growth and um, it's a, it's, you know, I don't want to say that it's like, oh, it's a COVID record because yeah, it's yeah. not really, but it is a record right. about like living through a hard time. Right. If it's about anything, yeah. I mean, I as much as it can be about something, you yeah. know, um, the last uh, several years have been particularly hard for me, but they've been hard for everyone in yeah. the band, just like they've been hard for, you know, everyone on the planet. Yeah. Um, personally, like my life is, has really changed over the last couple of years. You know, I, I left the business I was in. Um, I had a lot of um, really bad personal relationship times. Um, yeah. I got sober. Um, I'm working on being a better father and a better partner and just a, like a more present person. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't something that I took serious before this stage in my life. Yeah. 
And that wasn't something that I feel like any of us in the band took as seriously as we do now before this time in our life. And I feel like that comes across. Yeah, that's awesome. Two more things, and then I'll wrap it up. All right. Hunk album cover. How'd that come about? I'm trying to remember if that was... I think, like, that may have been Margot's idea or my idea, but we both were kind of working on it at the same time with Brad. We we were... We were at a loss as to what to do yeah. for the cover of the record, and we tried a bunch of stuff, and we just weren't into it. And one day we were like, let's just rub a bunch of... So we had made this video, backing up a little bit, we made this video with Metal Jeff where Brad's got like all this different colored corn syrup and shit all over him. Yeah. Um, and it was just like this really weird visual aesthetic. And, that, and so I guess we could probably give credit to that for that to Jeff, because yeah. I think that was Jeff's idea. Yeah. Um, the the unsung hero of elephant rifle design, or maybe sung, I mean, we big up him whenever we can. Yeah. So many like he's done videos for us and T-shirts for us and a record cover for us. So many of our good ideas are in collaboration with that guy, and he's yeah. sort of like the fifth member of the band from a you know artistic standpoint. Right. Um, but yeah, we just like one day we had our friend Rich bring his camera over, and he's used to he photographs like like canyons and like galaxies yeah, and like yeah. all this beautiful natural shit and right. like hey we're gonna put a bunch of uh like melted crayons and and uh soot from the fireplace on on brad and he's gonna get naked in the shower we take some pictures of it <laughs> and so that was pretty much it yeah. we just rubbed a bunch of shit all over him and and uh margo did a bunch of variations of like writing hunk uh in the in the various detritus yeah. and that the the one that's on the cover is the one we like the awesome. best. That's awesome. All right, uh, record label. Is there? Are you still doing stuff with it? Still is doing it. it. Yeah. yeah, I'm still going. What's next? Twenty years. Really? What's so, next on the horizon for it? Anything planned? Or you <laughs> good just question. Kinda... Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. In 2018, we did that big record, um, the double album of all the like seven seconds covers. Yeah. That um, Chris and Colin and I put together. Uh, and that was like probably my favorite recording experience ever. Like that yeah. was such a magical time. I would love to do something like that again. Yeah. I'm just not sure how, yeah. um, or what, yeah. you know, I, but I would love to do a record like that again. I still hold this pipe dream of doing the record with everyone I've ever been in a band with at yeah, some point too. Cool too. But really, no, the only other things... I'm thinking about like I I don't even know that you know most of the bands that I've been working with are either working with other people or they're not playing music anymore so yeah. I don't know how much <clears throat> music I'm going to put out that's not my own yeah I get it I've been slowly working on writing a solo record that maybe I'll get around to recording yeah. to but no I think like I don't I don't really have the time I did in my youth to be in multiple bands. Yeah. So yeah. I guess as long as Elephant Rifle's around, that's pretty much going to be my focus, and it'll pretty much be what I'm putting out. Yeah, cool. Well, I uh, I like what you do, man. 
and I like. Thank you. I appreciate it. I like what you do too. Thank you. I respect the bands you've been in, and you know the your attitude attitude towards the scene and and music. It kind of makes me sad that you're not as involved as you used to be. I understand you can't be. Yeah, but this town needs people like you. You know what I mean? It does, but but. It needs new people. No, I agree. I agree. I totally agree. But I, uh, you know, respect what you've done and and, uh, how you look at it. I I love that. Thanks. I appreciate that. I also, I love just hanging out with my kids. So it's not like I... And I'm I'm not pining for for that era. It was fun, but I I really like where I am now. Um, But I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Cool. Thanks. Um, And... There, you know, there. That shit's still going on. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. I just don't see it firsthand. Me either. I, you know, like I'm not when I'm talking to you about it. I can see how passionate you are. And yeah. How important it is, and I'm like, dude, that's what we need. And I'm sure there's a hundred people like you, but I haven't talked to them yet, so that's why I bring it up. The podcast is young. Yeah. You got two hundred <laughs> some odd more episodes to fill. Yeah. Well. Thanks for talking. Thanks for having me. All right. There you have it, man. What a great interview. What a great conversation. Go check out the newest elephant rifle. It's out April 28th. And it's called uh, Broken Water. Go check out Humanitarist Records, his record label, all the bands on there, his other bands. Support the Holland in any way we can. Let's support music and uh, let's support all ages venues. Let's just support bands, man. Support the scene. And uh, hopefully I'm doing that with uh, this podcast. And... uh, you know, I make a mean flyer too, man. I'm trying to make us look good. Anyway, thank you for the support. Um, and thanks for talking to me, Clinton. I will uh, see you on the flip side, everybody. Take it easy. Justpunkenough.com if you want to check out other episodes. Hey.